Hello, welcome to the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News, talking all things Manchester City. Another 1-0 win, back-to-back 1-0 wins this week for City, this time at Bournemouth. Um, I mean, you look at that result, Simon Bajkowski, manager, but I uh, forgot that bit as we uh, introduce ourselves. Do you know what? I've, I was not expecting to do this podcast this morning, and you can tell. <laughs> um, it was, on the face of it, a good win, but another frustrating game third in a week where City create all the chances have all the possession and just can't put the ball in the back of the net and by the end of it Bournemouth were quite strong weren't they and could have on another day nicked a point yeah it was um, for about 50 minutes 55 it was a really good City performance like their best in a while John Stones was great Rodri was great Phil Foden was superb through the middle and uh, and yeah they they sort of similar to Brentford and, and Chelsea they couldn't quite take the chances um, and then Bournemouth really came at them and really, really came at them. And, you know, probably... I mean, Villa is the outlier this season because they just absolutely monstered City from start to finish. But aside from Villa, Bournemouth probably gave City more problems than anyone since Bayern or Real last season. Like it was, City were hanging you on. Would never thought to say no. That, no, no. They were City were they were rattled. They were arguing with yeah. each other on the pitch. Guardiola was shouting his head off at anyone who would who would listen, and even anyone who wouldn't listen. Um, and they were hanging on. So it was, you know, a bit fraught at the end. But has to go down as a very good win for for, for those reasons. Really, we were just saying that it's. You could say they've not scored, scored more than one again, or you could say they've dug deep, they've sort of changed the plan a little bit. I think John Stone said after the game they had a plan, but Bournemouth actually, to their credit, changed it a little bit and they had to adapt within the game and they knew it would be a tough game, man-to-man, that sort of thing. It, that- yeah, and and sat that game, because I sort of, you know, you always see the players' reactions and everything and, and City looked a bit flat after the game. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is because they've been, they knew they'd been kind of put through the ringer. But Guardiola looks a bit flat, and he'd been, he had kicked a ball. But he sort of, you know, he, he thought, are they a bit disappointed? Or and I think they, they're just knackered. <laughs> you know, the manager raised it time and time again after the game in his post-match press conferences. He just said, "We're really tired. The schedule is demanding." Mm-hmm. And you know, Bournemouth did really well against City, and. And then afterwards, Pep was like, yeah, they had seven days to prepare every second. And we had to play Brentford, which he referred as the, the dentist without anaesthetic, which is a nice line. But he's using the dentist a lot. Um, oh, he's not. He's used it for a few teams. Um, so, you know, not to take anything away because a team of City's resources and quality should be beating Bournemouth and can't be saying, oh, well, they had a few more days extra. But mm-hmm. it, sometimes it does add up. And, you know, City were were made to hang on in a way that, you know, they really had to hang on in, in the Allianz last season in the way they had to hang on in the Burnabout. It was um it it was tough for them. Uh and, you know, the the manager always says, you know, that we we have to suffer to get through and, and they did suffer and they did get through. It's it's one of them, I think if it was at the Etihad, it's a completely different game, but because you're going all the way to the South Coast, it's a just a, an environment that City aren't used to, these superstars. It's a 11,000-seater stadium and it's 
without using the cliche, it's their cup final, isn't it? It's, it's the game where they're they're really really up for it. So it's it's also one of those games where City just need to get the performance, get the result. I think one of the questions put to Pep was maybe on, on uh, Sky Sports was was the was the result more important than the performance and it felt like that and then with the context of all his Superman comments and stressing just how tired and sort of exhausted and flat out his players are it feels like more of an impressive result the more you sort of think about it yeah it does and it, it felt like it felt like a very impressive performance for like the first mm-hmm. hour or so and then you have to kind of credit them for, for holding on Um it, yeah, I was sort of driving back and listening to to Talk Sport, who were covering the Arsenal game, and you know they'd not seen the City game, and they're saying two one nil within a week. Like, see you there, aren't they? See you, see you. Are just winning games, even if they're not playing that well, they're yeah. winning games. And you know, the I don't think they're close to playing at the best, but they've still got a pretty decent level. I think the 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 biggest worry right now is is not scoring goals from all the chances they're creating um, and they were pretty wasteful again in that first half when they could have been more clinical and made it easy for them and maybe they'd have been less tired but um, but they're, they're a point off top spot after 26 games which is really really remarkable I think it, it struck me that Guardiola came out and chose this time to say we're knackered because yeah. You can do it after a win, which is what he always does. He'll, he'll only sort of point out negative things yeah, after, after a win. win. Yeah. Um, but it felt like he was really in the mood to control what the narrative was afterwards because he probably knew it was going to be another few days of talking about they're not taking the chances, they're only winning maybe by a goal, Haaland's not scored again, that sort of thing. But it was like he had something to say and he was going to tell everyone about it. And Do you think it's a bit of a concern that City have... I think it was the sixth game in 20 days, wasn't it? So yeah. on, on that... Yeah. On that but, is, but, you know, it's as he said, they played Brentford in midweek because yeah. that game got rearranged because mm-hmm. they were in the Club World Cup. Like, they're not going to turn around the Club World Cup and say, no, actually, we'd rather have a nicer schedule in the league. <laughs> like, the schedule is the schedule. And, you know, as he was famously quoted on the Amazon Prime documentary, and I'm not sure if we're allowed to swear <laughs> on this podcast if it's bleeped out, but, you know, the um, you're tired you kind of thing is like the the whole mantra of the city team Guardiola might choose when to to have a moan about the schedule but he's not going to use it as an excuse for the players and that's why like you say he'll only mention it after they've after they've won and I think he said that Walker was rested rather than sort of moved around tactically because of sort of fitness he's sort of easing De Bruyne back in after his niggle and that's a boost to have him back but he's not started these two games he's dropped Alvarez for the first time in the league this season you can see him sort of moving his pieces around to to get them in the best possible position for the run that's coming up and they're, they're nearly there aren't they they've nearly got a full squad but even then he said that Haaland isn't fully fit he was talking about John Stones' really good performance but said he's still not Still not there. It's, yeah, it's th- yeah. Well, they've never had a fully fit squad this season. No. You know, even the one game we thought they did earlier this month, Sergio Gomez was out. So you know, he's not the and we only the, noticed three weeks the, later. the worst miss to have. But he's still a still a miss. And even after then, I think uh, Grealish or somebody else went down after that. Maybe Kovacic. So um, yeah, you know, Grealish, De Bruyne, Guardiola are all coming back. There's no guarantee like when they'll be back there's no guarantee that someone else won't fall down before then but yeah I think you know 
taking Alvarez out of the team was was possibly down to performance. Um, but at the same time, it does fit into this story about how knackered everyone is because it doesn't feel, it doesn't even feel like Alvarez has had Christmas Day off. Like, no. he's just gone on flat out for kind of two years plus. Yeah. I was just going to say, if we're talking about yeah. players and schedules, Alvarez is one who's played literally from January 2022, hasn't he? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Three weeks off. Yeah, and, and Walker as well, like, but done it 10 years older. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about whether, say, you are preparing for the Champions League final at the end of the season, would those two make it into the eleven? That is a, a debate to be had. But you can also say they've played so much football, like it's really not a surprise to see them on the bench for another league game ahead of another important game at Luton on Tuesday where you know City have experience of of going behind and having to really scrap to do it in a competition now where if they lose they're out and the treble's over so you know I don't think I'm ready for that this week no no but it's um, it it is the case that um, you know Luton is kind of more important than Bournemouth Mm -hmm. and it's another sort of unfamiliar surroundings isn't it um, we'll t- come on to Luton in a bit I want to get your thoughts on Phil Foden another goal I think it's his best goals return now in a season is it 16 16 goals yeah, join, season join best but you would think he'll get his best yeah I think he's got enough time and he's, he's playing that well isn't he that yeah I think I might have mentioned it before he's scoring the important goals now isn't he he's not just scoring the third in a 4-0 win he's yeah. scoring the, the goals that make a difference yeah I think he's scored in 13 games this season and 9 of them have been taking the lead or equalising mm-hmm. so you know he's he's a player for the big moments so, I mean we've said it all season but for a lot um, it felt at Bournemouth for the first time or not for the first time but Pep at Bournemouth after the match was far more positive about Foden than he has been for for a long time because mm-hmm. um, there have always kind of been caveats of like oh he needs to do this or he needs to do that or he needs to sort that out and then and he's still not quite there in the middle and um, and on Saturday after the game, he was asked about him scoring, and he said, "Forget about the goals. Like, did you see the way he controlled the match?" And for someone like Pep, who is so obsessed with control and you know good football on the eye, to see to sort of comment on that must send Foden's ego through the roof. Because um, yeah, it, it was a terrific performance, and he, he did just glide across the pitch and. You know, I've seen some videos of him, sort of compilations of him on the half turn in the last few weeks, mm-hmm. and there was so much more to come from Saturday. It was like some of his plays just gorgeous to watch. Um, There's sort of a similarity with when De Bruyne gets over the halfway line and he's striding, you're like, something's going to happen here. Yeah, you yeah. start to feel like Foden, aren't you? Yeah, and you know, Pep, interesting, also talking about sort of he felt like Foden took a step forward at the Club World Cup. Um, which came just after the Palace game where he gave away that last-minute penalty to let Palace equalise and that kind of obviously sent them off in a... It was like one win in six in the league, I think. Um, So, you know, when they left for the Club World Cup, Pep obviously still had considerable doubts about Foden's abilities in the middle and, and it seemed like that time, which you only get if you win the Champions League and you're prepared to play in every scenario going um, was the moment when Foden kind of you know took the mantle and has and has stepped up ever since really I think it's five goals in in February for him so um, 
a really good month that could yet get better. But yeah, like you say, at the start of the season, Pep was still saying, no, he's a winger. And we, you had... The <laughs> yeah, December he was still yeah. saying it. January was still saying it. But it, it felt like, you know, he, he said he's really good, especially in the middle on mm-hmm. Saturday. And it was like, oh, right. Like that, Considering he's, he's been that. sort of pushed back out to the wing, hasn't he, with De Bruyne coming back? Yeah. Albeit coming inside. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was notable because with the lineup on Saturday, Nunes was in, and you would sort of expect Nunes mm. to be in the middle, and it felt like Foden would be wide, but no, Nunes was on the left, and, and Foden was in the middle. Um, so, yeah, it was really quite. It was a, a performance of notes from Foden. Another performance that caught a lot of people's eye was John Stones. He was, it was the same back for the Champions League final. I think only the second time this season because Stones has been out for so long. He was tasked with coming into midfield, and he said after the game that because Bournemouth went man to man, there was City's task was finding that free man, and he was often that player. And he was popping up on the touchline and, and the byline and putting crosses back and sort of playing box to box and as a number ten. And he's not really done that since the Champions League final, but it was a, it was another reminder that. There's a very good footballer there, and if you can get him in those spaces, he's a real threat. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He almost makes you sort of rethink, like you know, like a Rolls Royce of a defender. Yeah. Is what is a Rolls Royce of a defender? Because it's always like seems to be like the the best, the classiest. But yeah. it's a bit weird if you've got like a car analogy where the car doesn't go <laughs> kind of that far, whereas yeah. Stones just covers the whole pitch, and it was like his his game intelligence is is really something. Um, and if he is coming into form and being allowed to play up in that position, then mm-hmm. that will transform City's uh, performances. I think it's kind of you know I saw someone say after the game like you don't really you can't have a replacement for Rodri or Stones no. like Akanji is kind of will play the role as and when he's required, but they are two of the best players in the world. They are world class in their positions. You can't just say oh yeah. Someone else is going to play there now and be just as good. You can't replicate those qualities. Um, and that was really evident against against Bournemouth, where you just like, we've not seen this in ages. You know, it, it did sort of throw back to, to Istanbul when Stones was just so extraordinary. It felt like he was everywhere and they were showing his heat map and his touch maps yeah. afterwards and he kind of was. It was literally like all over the pitch and he, he was popping up in the box and I was watching on telly I was like, who's that? I was like, oh, it's yeah. Stones. Yeah, he's meant yeah. to be at the back and yeah, I think since he's back, the midfield just looks just look so much more compact and more steady and I think Kovacic helped a lot at Bournemouth as well. Yeah. He's, he always goes under the radar and he's not going to start a Champions League final with everyone's fit but... It just adds that sort of control again that City have lacked in a few years recently. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was this podcast or not, but I had kind of suggested Kovacic from Alvarez might be the change for for this game because, yeah, the midfield forward line hadn't quite had something about it and Kovacic um, does add kind of more stability, but also, you know, creativity. The dinked ball over the top to Haaland for the first was kind of Gundogan-esque and, um, yeah... You think back to the start of the season and Kovacic was was really, really strong with Rodri, but Kovacic, Rodri and Stones in that midfield kind of allows more attacking to be done further up the pitch. We'll leave it there for the first part. We'll come back and discuss a couple more uh, things about Bournemouth and look ahead to uh, what could be a tricky FA Cup game at Luton.
Hello, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Before we get on, uh, make sure you listen to our interview with David Bernstein, the former city chairman. He sat down with Tyrone Marshall for 40 minutes and uh, discussed all things of his time in charge of City before they became the current beast that they are. Find that on YouTube, on the podcast platforms. Uh, very interesting. Listen, now, sorry, we were just talking before we started. City won 1-0, back-to-back 1-0 wins. There's two ways of looking that looking at that one is that that's what champions do they might not be playing at the best but they're just winning and I, I thought it was notable that the chant of choice by the City fans at full time was champions ole ole because it was, it was sort of a let's grind out the win and just get the three points but also three games in the last week seven points but only three goals I think it was 71 shots so two drop points against Chelsea could they be being a bit more prolific where do you stand on that sort of on the form this week and is it a good three three games or could there be room for improvement I mean two one nil wins against uh, Bournemouth and Bradford is is fantastic mm-hmm. um, and certainly you, you've kind of got to play the situation and City played Brentford knowing they needed to get close to Liverpool and they did they played Bournemouth knowing they needed to get close to Liverpool again and they did so they are really exactly where they need to be if they win every game between now and the end of the season, then they win the title. Um, I don't think they will win every game, but it's um, it's they're they're in a good position. You know, you look at Liverpool; they're in a very good position. You look at Arsenal; been the surprise for me. I didn't see this coming um, with such kind of emphatic results mm-hmm. and performances. Uh, but when they visit City at the end of March, you would still have City as as the big favourites because City have been there and done it and as recently as last year absolutely crushed after what they had so um, you know March is key um, until April is key that's the thing <laughs> because you know April City could have Arsenal and Real Madrid in the Champions League they could have a sort of FA Cup semi that's um, you know Liverpool or something like that and then trips to Palace and uh, Tottenham maybe so like City are just in this position where they they keep going and they're still there and to to sort of you know if they're able to beat Luton to be able to walk into March and say yeah the treble's still on is is amazing Um there is that concern with performances of late that haven't quite been as sharp as they need to be. Um, you know, they still only drop two points in the <laughs> like forever. But, um, you know, with them dropping it to Chelsea, you sort of think, is that because they've come up against a better team than, say, Brentford and Bournemouth, who are both at the other end of the table? Um, although Chelsea is smack bang in the middle. But, you know, with Liverpool and United to come, will City... Will City's problems in front of goal and, you know, not kept too many clean sheets, although two in the last week, will that hurt them against United and Liverpool when they really need uh, the points? So the next kind of, the next two league games, I think, will will answer a lot about City and where they are. But for now, they're where they need to be. Yeah, I think it's, you can go down one route and say, yeah, they're doing really well and this is what they need to do but then you think but they do need to be better in front of goal it's, yeah, it's tricky I, isn't it and it's um, it's hard because you know I, I was sort of thinking about this this morning and, and it's not like 
they don't stand out at the minute as kind of one of the more exceptional city sides mm-hmm. under Guardiola. Um, you know, they're not like smashing everyone 6 nil, and they're not rock solid at the back. There are plenty of things up with them. Um, but then last season they weren't either and they won the treble. So I think we forget in these big runs that yeah. they're not always 3 4 nils, are no, they? There's a no. lot of 1 nils and 2 ones. And yeah, and also they're kind of up against more expectations than ever because they've won the treble last yeah. season. So everyone could not think more of them and they've still got to go again and, and win. And you look at Arsenal spanking opposition and, and whatever. And, you know, like City can have a really good season and not end up winning anything. It just won't seem a good season. But you've got to say, if that were to happen, you would probably say, well, Liverpool have been really good or Arsenal have been really good. And, you know, you've got to, got to hand it to them. Uh, but also, last season, City really didn't get cooking until February. So it's um, there, is a, there is a long way to go. And I think a lot of the good kind of gets taken for granted with City um, because they've set such a high bar. And... They they have the the potential to um, to go up a few more levels yet. Well, that's it. We were saying before they've got these players coming back. Some of the players who are back aren't fully fit yet. They've not like they've not had a fully fit squad yeah. all season. And I was I had a thrilling Sunday. I was looking at all the the last three games, the seventy one shots they've had, and have they wasted sixty eight of them? Well, no, they haven't because a couple of led to goals like Haaland's, which was parried in the path yeah. of Foden. I was looking, I think the the expected goals, I've got the stats here, for the three games was just under seven. So they've underperformed by four goals. Between the Brentford and Bournemouth goalkeepers, they overperformed by stopping three goals between them. Right. So that's, you've come up against two really good goalkeepers. Yeah. Haaland's probably underperformed, I think, by two goals it was. Yeah. He's missed, missed those two glorious ones against Chelsea, a couple against Bournemouth where he might have done a bit better. That sort of accounts for itself. If if you've got a striker who can get better, and you're not always going to come up against a keeper on top form, it yeah. sort of takes care of itself. And if if you get the players back, you, yeah, you go. Yeah, in. you you worry for you worry about this city team when they don't create chances. Yes, and they lost the league title to Liverpool in 2020, creating loads of chances. They scored more than 100 goals, but they just had wobbles at the back, and they were they didn't they scored pretty erratically, um, but they still created loads of chances and scored loads of goals and as long as they're creating chances they will back themselves to score loads of goals yeah. because you know it's like Haaland every time you think oh Haaland's not scored <laughs> he will score yeah. um, so you know it, it, the longer the kind of inability to convert chances into goals goes on the more worrying it is mm-hmm. um, but they've taken seven points out of yeah. nine from these three games so it, it's still pretty good I think I was writing this article I went into it thinking they're not doing well in front of goal and then I'm looking at the stats and actually yeah they're not doing as well as they should yeah. be but you know like you say if you can say oh, two out of the three keeps yeah. had a worldly then you can't do much about that and not on any other day Haaland scores those two headers and City have two more points against Chelsea and yeah. it's fine and it was actually it's quite convenient that the three games before these three games so I think Copenhagen Everton and Brentford City also had 71 shots right so they're, they're creating the same amount of chances yeah you've just got reasons why they're not always converting them and 
you're not always going to have Ben Mee on the line stopping that Oscar, Oscar <laughs> Bob chance yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. or Bernardo Silva heading that one wide yeah. from it, Walker's yeah. comeback. It's, there's a lot of sort of reasons, isn't there? If they have um, 71 chances against Luton, United and Liverpool, 71 shots, mm-hmm. they will be very, very happy. Exactly. And, and Guardiola always says that, doesn't he? He wants the, the consistency at both ends. Yeah. Maybe they let a few more chances against them against Bournemouth, but... If they're a tired team, then I think sometimes you've got to give credit to, to yeah. the opposition. And uh, also, I think before we finish the ball with Chat Edison, a couple of fantastic saves, and he's gone under the radar a little bit, but he's really caught chumps. Yeah, basically. I thought he had a really ropey first half. He was just like, you never want to see a goalkeeper coming out of his area and kneeing the ball. <laughs> um, he, he was, but if any goalkeeper's going to do it, yeah. Even he, you know, usually Edison pulls it off with some level of conviction. Even he looked a bit like, oh, I'm not <laughs> sure I should have done that. Um, and he had a yeah a few distribution things, but then the goalkeeper is there to save things that come his way, and he did. Um, he made some important saves, and yeah, like you say, it's one of those that could go under the radar. Um, but he's done. He, he did very well um, to keep his team ahead, and you know, two clean sheets in a week is very good after City's season defensively. And he may or may not have broken the City record for Premier League clean sheets. Yeah, well, there's a bit of confusion because I think it's 110. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Stat City, which is. Uh, uh, a compendium of city statistics says it's 108, and I agree with Stat City. So uh, where, where's the two? Where's the discrepancy? So, so the two are um, two games which he started and then came off injured in. Oh, okay. So in 2017, they beat Liverpool five nil, but Edison got stretched off at nil nil. And in 2019, they lost three two to Wolves, but Edison got stretched up. Got taken that was off. early, wasn't it? Early, yeah. I'm not, I, so, I'd be more willing to count the first one, but not the second one, but yeah. you can't do one or the other. Yeah, game. well, I think, I think they were both first half substitutions, yeah. so you sort of think, no, you've got to stay on, but it wouldn't count in FPL, would it? <laughs> um, and that's the metric, that's the yeah, well, it, yeah, I think Opta's metric is what Stat City is, yeah. is going off. Um, so, yeah, I mean. I think he did a thumbs up emoji in response to it on Instagram. <laughs> so just typical kind of demeanour. Uh, but either way, you know, he's going to he's going to get that record at yeah some point. Yeah, yeah. On to Luton, we were there in the league, and it was not an easy game when City were sort of badly out of form and needed to just find something. They did find a response in the second half, but if they're looking to sort of make changes and ease a few players and give a few players rest probably not the place you want to do it isn't it and no. they gave Man United a very good game because they've given every big team a good yeah. game at Kenilworth Road yeah yeah they're, and you know they're, they're really doing their hardest to to stay up this season um, and have done far better than the, the two teams that got promoted above them mm-hmm. um, so yeah like you say it's not the game I can see someone like Rico Lewis coming in maybe Oscar Bob because they're both proven Um but, I, you know, I don't really think it's going to be one for Sergio Gomez or or people like that. I think there's going to be a lot of first-team players, first-team regulars starting the game, um, which, you know, is a risk ahead of the derby. But, like I say, this is a really important game and, and alters City's march because 
if they win, then they play an FA Cup quarter in the middle of March against an opponent still to be identified. But if they lose, then they know they're either at Brighton or they're not playing because yeah. Brighton are, um, are in the and FA Cup. And that Brighton one's just a tricky one in the middle of games against Liverpool, Arsenal, United, Villa. Yeah. I don't know where it would fit in later in the season, but... No, no, it will have to be squeezed in. Yeah. Um, but that is the price of success of winning football matches in in lots of different competitions but um, yeah the, I mean the good thing for City is that they've been to Lewin and they've really struggled so they, yeah. they're not going to be going into this game with any kind of complacency yeah. not that they do normally but they they know how how tough it will be to, to get a result there I think I think he'll make some changes I think you've got the chance to maybe not start Grealish and him back but give him a fair few minutes similar with De Bruyne again then it's not quite the game you want to Bring an injured player back, but no. I think there's a few players. Yeah, Rico Lewis. I think he started one in seven and not played any minute in the other six. So he's sort of fallen, fallen out of favour. Not out of favour, but it's, there's just not been the chances for him. So yeah. he'll be looking to to sort of make an impact even when he starts. And yeah, I think he'll try and make as many changes as possible, but without feeling a weak side. If you like, and yeah, I think Gomez is the the benchmark of. Yeah, how are you treating this game? Yeah, I think you would play Gomez against Championship opposition, but yeah. not. I can see Nunes and Kovacic remaining yeah. in the side, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then maybe, depending on how the game goes, take a few players off with a an eye on the derby. But well, you have to, yeah. yeah. Um, but that is the thing with Grealish and De Bruyne; they've got to work out what is best for the derby, mm-hmm. really, before they kind of work backwards to Luton, but. It is a risk because if you don't turn up against Luton, then you, like I say, you're out of the cup and the, the retaining the treble is, is gone. I, th- I think watching the draw, there was a few southern sides left in the draw. Not a lot. Maidstone were there and you're thinking, just get a home side. <laughs> just get a home side. <laughs> it was, I think Bournemouth and Southampton were out of the way. Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, okay, excellent. Because, um, yeah, when I was down at Bournemouth, they were talking about because they play Leicester. Right. Uh, uh, at home on Tuesday and again you're thinking you know nothing against Bournemouth but <laughs> come on Leicester um, yeah the less travel the, the better get a score prediction from you uh, I think it will be 2-0 I was going to say 2-0 I think yeah mm. not an easy 2-0 maybe no. a, late, a late one to sort of calm the nerves but yeah um, I, can, I can see Luton making a few changes as well because they might want to focus on the league but we'll see we're both down at Kenilworth Road again I think I walked away thinking I hope I never have to go there again <laughs> it was a great atmosphere though yeah yeah it's a it's a genuine ground isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. authentic yeah experience so we'll bring you that throughout the week uh, down at Luton tomorrow reaction to come as ever on the Manchester Evening News and then looking ahead to the all-important Manchester Derby and I believe we've got a uh, joint Talking City and uh, Manchester is Red podcast which uh the title alone is controversial, isn't it? So uh, look out for that later later in the week. And uh, thanks for joining us. Follow us, as ever, on uh, YouTube, all the social media platforms and uh, where you find your podcasts. Thanks again. See you soon.